It's week six. Adam Gase still has a job and Le'Veon Bell doesn't. It's the Broder Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So Le'Veon Bell's out the door. Yeah, well, welcome to part one of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. Jason likes to start the podcast with just some crazy fast speaking thing that occurred. I have realized. Is it not fun? It's pretty fun. Um, as you could obviously tell, Tim Tim is not here today. If you are yet to listen to the review podcast, please do. We released it on Monday. It's a very fun podcast. Uh, Tim announced that he would not be here today for some life duties that call, but everything is all good with him. So, me and Jay here today to break down the week six slate. I was the twenty fifth overall ranker on Fantasy Pros this week. Yeah, yeah. Coming off a 22nd overall finish last week and 41st the week before. So, the man's a beast. Three, since week three, I've been up there. The man's a it. beast. So, the, the facts that are coming at you, just know they're coming from deep down in the soul. They're fucking good. They're fucking Fantasy good. goodness, as Tim would say. And yeah. if you like written content, we are releasing a lot of articles. So, check yep. that out on our website. We have Buy Low, Sell High every week, um, 20 Facts You Need to Know every week. Um, start sit every week, sleepers and busts, and yeah. So with that being said, we're gonna talk football, and before we talk about the week seven, the week six games, the Jets release Le'Veon Bell, and oh man, whatever team Le'Veon Bell ends up on is not gonna be good for fantasy purposes. It's gonna be some. I feel like yo, the dude's <laughs> getting paid no matter what, so it's not like money is an issue. I feel like he's going to go somewhere where he's getting up there in age two for running backs. He's, I think he's going to go somewhere where they're in the hunt and have a chance of making the playoffs or, or leading their division somewhere of that sort and start stealing. So I think it would be very interesting if he went to Baltimore. I know that sounds absurd and it's highly unlikely because they have that three headed backfield right now, but Bell would fit that system perfectly in my opinion. And, if the Ravens are going for it all, why not add Le'Veon Bell? But I, I do also want to just add real quick, LaMichael Piron, he's free. Pick him up uh, if you have the space. Gay said he's going to get a larger role now with Bell gone. He still loves Frank Gore for whatever reason, but I uh, pick up LaMichael Piron and just see how, that, see how that goes this week. Tim would be mad if he listened to this and didn't hear me say this. Tim has a lot of Josh, I'm sorry, yeah, Josh Jacobs shares. Not Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. I'm thinking yes. of Brandon Jacobs. He has a lot of Josh Jacobs shares, and Tim is scared that the Raiders might grab Le'Veon Bell. And honestly, it is a good fit. Like, Jacobs hasn't become the every third down player type running back, and Le'Veon Bell is great through the air. And if the Raiders are going for it, John Gruden is used to getting guys who are washed or might be close to washed or just are older in age. It makes sense to me. And it would hurt Josh Jacobs. I mean, the Raiders are playing better than a lot of people expected. And like you said, if he could go in there, spell Josh Jacobs, get pass catching work too, I do think it would make sense. Derek Carr, top five, true throw value. Yeah, Derek Carr has been crushing it. He dominated. I will talk about Derek Carr later on in either this episode or next. Yeah, let us get into the first game of week six. There's no Thursday game this week, sadly. Very upsetting. 
not to have Thursday football. They give us Tuesday and then take away Thursday. But listen, the first game on the docket is the team that played on Tuesday, the motherfucking Tennessee Titans. I love this team. Ryan Tannehill, the true throw value king, is just doing what he does, man. And the Titans on the stage too, on the big stage. It doesn't matter, dude. You know why he's a true throw value king? I'm gonna get him a belt that says true throw value king. Boom! Before we start the <laughs> the game. Party belts, the official championship belt of Brodo Fantasy, the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. We're gonna go get a party belt for Ryan Tannehill that says true throw value king. And what is he, what's he gonna do with it? He's gonna put two beers on the side. He's gonna have the one size fits all strap. And he's going to walk around like a boss. And it's only, with our code, $30. So, you know what? He's not even going to... It's not even a dent in his paycheck. So, boom. Ryan Tannehill coming your way. I would love if we could send that to Ryan Tannehill. Can we just, like, send it to the Tennessee Titans with, like, an explanation of sorts and just be like, yo, let's go, Ryan Tannehill. That's a good point. Maybe we should. That would be very cool. Sounds like a good marketing plan, Jay. Let's keep this in our minds. But, yeah, party (laughs) belts. Um... Very customizable belts, only $30, and then you get 15% off with code BRODO. Forget these trophies that no one cares about, the plaques, the $300 belts. $30 looks good. It's super practical. You can walk into your draft next year with belts on your, uh, with beers on your side as well, holding those. It's very cool. Use code BRODO for 15% off, and it's just a dope thing. So go get that for your league. It's week six. The championship is coming up soon. 100%. Can't believe it's week six already. But, yeah, let's actually uh... – Talk some football, Yeah, bro. because, dude, the Titans came out guns blazing. And true values, that was the true value game, man. A.J. Brown saw nine targets, had a touchdown. Janu saw seven t- targets, two touchdowns. Tannehill jumped up to eighth in true throw value, even after a week off. And then Derrick Henry found the end zone as well. So what was your takeaway for the Titans, and do you expect the same this week? And Tannehill rushed for a touchdown, That dude. too. What a great game. It was just Tannehill being the Tannehill... The the world saw what Brodo has seen for years now. Even in with Tannehill in Miami in 2018, we knew the potential there, and it was great to watch last night. It was a it was a really good game. Like after that long time off, they came out and like you said, just guns blazing. And they didn't even need the thing with the Titans are they're four and and Derrick Henry is yet to really have a monster week. Yeah. Like, he's getting massive carries and hasn't been super efficient with those carries. Hilarious what he did to Josh Norman. But, yeah, I mean, now they're going into Houston. Houston has been pretty good against the quarterback, but they're not like a defense you're scared away from. Yeah, definitely they've been not. Better, they've, better, they've been better through the air than on the ground, but Gardner Minshew had his way against them last week. And Ryan Tannehill is just... We got Ryan Tannehill going out there last night showing the world what Brodo has known for years back to his Miami days how good he could be in the right spot and the thing is with Tennessee man not only are they 4-0 they're 4-0 without Derrick Henry having a monster game and we saw just how well A.J. Brown fits that offense to yesterday in that first half with Ryan Tannehill so efficient and just so dynamic if if it was a close game A.J. Brown could have Likely ended the game with two touchdowns on 150 yards. They did not need him at all in the second half. Yeah. But he was having his absolute way with Josh Norman. And Derrick Henry threw Josh Norman to another planet. That was hilarious. I think Ryan Tannehill is a low-end QB1 option with 
upside, mm-hmm. higher than expert consensus again, per usual. Derrick Henry's in a good spot. I'm firing up AJ Brown as a wide receiver one. Johnny Smith as a tight end one. That's the best part about the tight ends too. Tannehill's a good play. Johnny's a great play. Brown's a great play. Henry's a great play. You don't really got to worry about anyone else. Yeah. That's the best part. They're a funnel offense. And in fantasy, what you want is a funnel offense. Yeah. And this isn't a very intimidating matchup. So we're firing up our Titans. If we look to the other side, David and Duke, the DJs, the snap count remained the same under Romeo Cornell. Um, Upsetting. So David had 17 rushes and four targets and was pretty productive. He had 90 yards. Uh, he looked pretty good. Deshaun Watson's missed David Johnson a few times on could-be reception touchdowns this year, which also doesn't bode well for Duke Johnson because it was David who's running those routes. So it looks like Romeo Cornell is sticking with David Johnson. How do you like him this week? Yeah, I got, after seeing how that played out last week, I got David Johnson as running back 18 right now. I think he has some upside against uh, Tennessee because Tennessee has been decent. They looked great against Buffalo, but that was by far their best defensive performance of the season. And they've been decent, but not a team, again, that you're going to be scared away from. And they've been pretty they've been uh, pretty kind to running backs as well. So I think David Johnson has some appeal here, especially because he out-targeted Duke Johnson 4-1. to one. Like you said, Duke Johnson didn't really have that role that we thought maybe could have really expanded with the firing of Bill O'Brien, which is upsetting, but that's just how it's going to be. So David Johnson is in a good spot to deliver a decent game, especially with uh, a few teams on by. And someone who did break out, who jumped up to 25th in true target value after this performance because, dude... Brandon Cooks, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, Deshaun Watson has been much better the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. His true throw value has gone up every week. And Brandon Cooks' role increased. Maybe we're thinking of the wrong person. So, like, Romeo Romeo Cornell came in. Our minds immediately went to maybe the running back will change. Listen, maybe that means Brandon Cooks is going to be more involved in the offense because he is a good player. He's 26, and he's been great in his career. And now he jumped up to 25th in true target value. If he's seeing seven targets a game from Deshaun Watson. Dude, that's a good it's a good spot to be in and I don't think the Titans defense is going to scare me away from utilizing Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver three flex with the buys yeah. this week. You cannot take a 12 target game from Brandon Cooks. I know the game prior he had zero targets, but you cannot just put a 12 target game aside, especially after a firing of a coach. Fuller and Cooks played the same amount of snaps. They were both on the field nearly every snap of the game. And we've seen Cooks have success in the past. Look, I know it wasn't the most brutal matchup last week against Jacksonville, but it's not the craziest matchup against Tennessee this week either. So I think Fuller has some huge upside. Cooks, I agree. I'm rolling him out there as a wide receiver three. Of course, there's risk with the way he's been up and down this year, but after the performance last week, was second in the league in receiving yards, was a second overall receiver. How could you not at least play him as a flex option? Yeah, like, I'm, well, I'm fine with it too. Will Fuller has a touchdown in three straight games now. Besides the Baltimore game, he has seven or more targets in three or four games. He's the number one wide receiver right now as well, and you got to keep firing him up as a wide receiver too because he has – Dude, besides the Baltimore game, he's been wide receiver 28 or better every time. He really paid off ADP, which we were saying. He was someone you drafted who is always going to be ranked higher than ADP. That's someone you want to draft. 
So Will Fuller is also in a good spot here. Uh, any Randall Cobb appeal to you? Uh, Randall Cobb is more of just like a low-end flex type of play in PPR leagues because he'll get you the seven, eight points. He's yeah. like a cheaper Cole Beasley type. Yeah, and Cole Beasley so, is already cheap. Yeah, so I'm not someone I'm not going to chase. The tight ends I'm going to fade as well unless Jordan Aikens remains out and Darren Fells does have some touchdown upside, which is interesting because uh, the tight end landscape is looking very bleak at the moment. But as if they're both playing... I'm not going to want to chase either of those guys. Yeah, one or the other, man. Every time it's one or the other, they do well. Last week, Darren Fells, 57 yards and a touchdown. Tight end in Houston is actually a valuable spot to be in, but when they're splitting time, not so much. When there's one of them. If you could combine them into one, that would be nice. Yeah, exactly. You can't. Next up on the docket is the Ravens and Eagles. Yeah. We got the battle of the motherfucking birds. All right, we're starting with the Ravens because the story here, well, there's a few stories. One, Lamar Jackson has not been Lamar Jackson. Two, all three Ravens running backs have played between 95 and 105 snaps this season. It's like Jim Harbaugh. You think he keeps like a diary in his pocket during the game counting down the snaps each guy is playing? That is entirely not plausible. (laughs) To make sure there's like five snaps between each other only i can guarantee it's not what happens but i appreciate but dude, the effort let me tell you this because lamar jackson was on my stock down on the review pod on the review pod because he is not a viable starting option really if he's going to not be using his legs and he ran two times for three yards after jim harbaugh said oh there's no leg injury look apparently it wasn't a bad leg injury and it seems like he's gonna be back to his normal self that's what they're saying. I have my QB7, which is the lowest I've had him at all year. And honestly, I kind of want to move him a little lower, but he's facing the Eagles, which favors the passing game. So their run defense is a lot better than the passing defense, and they've been passing heavily more often recently um, in Baltimore. So I'm actually going to keep Lamar Jackson around that mid QB1 tier, and hopefully he uses his legs more. But let me tell you, I got Marquise Brown on wide receiver 14 this week. Whoa. This is by far the highest I've been on Marquise Brown because, like I said, Philly has been a lot worse against the air than they have been on the ground. And Marquise Brown saw saw 10 targets last week. By far his most this year. And, like I'm saying, Lamar Jackson isn't running as much. If that's going to be the case and Lamar Jackson's going to be throwing more and Marquise Brown is going to see 8 to 10 targets against Philly... He has some huge boom potential, and I'm I'm going to be all over this week. He's wide receiver 20 in true target value as well, so he's been decent in true target value. You guys know we're not huge Marquise Brown guys, but I'm all in on Hollywood this week. That's interesting, man. I If the target's there, it's more enticing. I actually like his matchup this week. I want to – you're talking about him this week. I want to look ahead a little bit after this week. Baltimore has a bye, then plays Pittsburgh, then plays Indy, then plays New England. So I'd be down to sell high on Marquise Brown if he kills it this week, which might I not wouldn't be. be which, I would not be against that either. All right, yeah. Um, but this week, he does have upside in that offense. It's always about volume with him and if he's going to get enough work. When it comes to the other pass catchers, the wide receivers, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, you're not really using them. So we'll go to the tight end, Mark Andrews, who... Either catches a touchdown or doesn't do that much. Um, 
He did have six catches last week, which is nice for PPR purposes. Turned it into 56 yards. His max this year in yardage has been 58. Um, so he has not been accumulating yards. He's been pretty touchdown dependent. But even so, he has tight end finishes of 1-3-3 three, and three because that's how the tight end landscape is at the moment. So yeah. against Philly, I'm firing him up. And if he's going to score a touchdown against anyone, against Philly is a great matchup because they don't have a good defense. And that's it. If Lamar Jackson's going to be throwing more, it's going to be Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews to see more targets. 100%. And, Marky, and excuse me, Mark Andrews is one of those guys where obviously touchdown touchdowns are volatile and you can't really predict touchdowns, but he's as likely as anyone in the league each week to score once they reach the red zone because he's clearly the main guy around there. So, yeah, obviously you're firing him up against Philly because he could score a touchdown at any moment and he's a big part of that passing offense. I think the yards are a little concerning, but it's Mark Andrews. So I mentioned up. that the Ravens all have between the the three running backs have all have between ninety five and one hundred five snaps this season. Do you trust any of them this week? No, because the Eagles' front seven is decent. They've been uh, that is their as best I said, attribute. Various times, yeah, that's their best asset dating back to last season too. So it's just carried over. And who are you going to start, dude? Mark Ingram is. Mark Ingram's a flex play, a touchdown-dependent flex play. J.K. Dobbins basically got almost phased out last week. He played the least amount of snaps, hardly saw any work. Gus Edwards led the team and led that backfield in snaps, and Gus Edwards is never a fantasy option. So it's like Mark Ingram, you have to start him and hope he finds the end zone in your flex, and that's it. You can't trust anyone else. Yeah, Dobbins had one run for 34 yards. You'd think they'd get the man the ball. But I agree, yeah. it's not ideal to start either of them this week. If you have to, you have to. Probably better to look elsewhere. Yeah. Um. On that note, let's move over to the Eagles because Zach Ertz, man, turned Lousy. six targets into one catch for six yards. Even as bad as Carson Wentz has been, how many targets Ertz has seen, Zach Ertz is 15th in true target value. So with all the targets he's seen in the terrible tight end landscape, He's still outside of the top 12 because Carson Wentz is that bad. Now they're playing Baltimore, a good defense. Zach Ertz, for the first time in like six years, is by no means a must start. It hurts. Although it hurts you're probably starting him. Yeah, it hurts to say this because the tight end landscape is so barren and yeah. he spent a high draft pick on Ertz, but I 100% agree. It's been really rough for Ertz and he just he cannot find separation he cannot get open he's he's just been bad I have him as my tight end 14 this week and there are a lot of speculative type-ish players ahead of him because I'd rather take a shot on someone like Noah Fant returning from injury Evan Ingram against Washington Mike Kosicki against the Jets Austin Hooper against I was about to say what about the resurgent Austin Hooper yeah, I got the resurgent Austin Hooper up at eight this week because this tight end landscape is a joke, and he's seen 17 targets over the past two weeks. I mean, and that's all I'm going to say for Hooper right now because we're going to talk about him later, but Ertz is just blah. And then he got this Baltimore defense who I was wrong about last week thinking Burrow could have a good game against them. Really turned up again. Really just su- superb passing defense, superb rushing defense, and Philly offense finally looked decent passing the ball last week. Miles Sanders broke out a long run against Pitt. 
But do you really want to trust any of these guys? Yeah, dude, over the last two games, Zach Ertz against tough opponents, San Francisco and Pittsburgh, combined five catches for 15 yards. Disgusting. On 11 targets. Disgusting. That's what happens when, yo, Wentz has been bad, Ertz has been bad, it hasn't been pretty. But, I mean, Wentz has, like, actually been putting up numbers because he started using his legs as well, but I'm not trusting him against Baltimore. Sanders, obviously, you're firing up, but... Uh, temper your expectations a bit if you if you drafted him in the first round. Uh, it might be one of those letdown games against Baltimore unless he breaks out a long one like he did last week against Pitt. And that's what's so think... important about having a workhorse these days. They're so few and far between. All, all Miles Sanders needs is one touch to make it. Uh, he finishes as a running back four, even though after his 75-yard run, he barely he didn't even have 10 yards after that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm still... I still have him as my RB12 this week just because he's, he's an absolute workhorse. Like, there's no doubt about it. He plays almost 80% of snaps at this point. So, I'm firing him up. What about, all right, Travis Fulgham, the highest-rated wide receiver in PFF this season. Touchdown in back-to-back games. He played 32% of snaps from the slot. So, there's potential that he even jumps Greg Ward when D-Jax and Alshon Jeffrey come back. So, what are your thoughts on Travis Fulgham this week? Because I know that's your guy. You talked about him in the waiver pod. I sp- Yeah, I spoke on the waiver pod about Travis Fulgham, and it's it's hard to think someone who isn't a good player could have that type of game against Pittsburgh and it just be a one-off type of game, especially when this offense, for literally two years now, has been begging for a playmaker. Once talked up Fulgham saying he... uh. He's been showing off in practice, and it came together in the game, and he's excited about him. I think Fulgham's going to be nearly an every-down wide receiver this week. Against Baltimore is a very tough situation, but he's probably going to see seven to eight targets. I don't want to trust him entirely. I'm not saying put him in your starting lineup right away if you're have like a if you in like a two-wide receiver league or something, but I think he's certainly a worthy flex player with some upside. Obviously, there's downside there too, but... I do. I I like him, man, and especially after this Baltimore game, when the schedule lightens up a little bit, I'm not scared off by Deshaun Jackson. I'm not scared off by Alshon Jeffrey. I'm kind of I'm falling for the Travis Fulgham breakout game a little bit, and maybe he may, makes me look dumb, but maybe he ends up being great, and I don't look dumb at all. Yeah, man. I mean, look, with the bye weeks, if you're in a pinch and it's between him and T. Y. Hilton and Julian Edelman. Yeah, like if you lost Keenan Allen this week, Keenan Allen's bye week got changed from 11 to 6, like last minute. If you lost Keenan Allen, you weren't expecting it, and Fulgham is there for the taking, and you could have inserted him in your lineup. I I don't hate that idea. You're not considering Greg Ward or Hightower, are you? Absolutely not. Zilchi, Zilchi. I'm sorry to Greg Ward. I kind of liked Greg Ward a little bit ago, but Travis Fulgham's looking like the, uh, the alpha there at this time. Yeah. We'll move on to the next game. The Falcons at the Vikings. See how I made two words that don't rhyme almost rhyme? That's talent. That's what that is. I don't doubt it. The Falcons at the Vikings. Let's talk about the big thing here. Alexander Madison. Alexander Alexander Madison. In his career, yards per carry. Dalvin Cook, 4.8. Madison, 4.7. Missed force tackles per attempt, 
Cook 0.19, Madison 0.17. Yards after contact per attempt. Cook 3.2, Madison 3.1. I have Alexander Madison as my running back three. I have him as my running back five. I ain't shying away. The only Fire like, him up. Dalvin Cook is a superior pass catcher, but Madison is a good fucking player, man. Yeah, every t- it seems like every time he's touching the ball, he's making a play. And I know Mike Zimmer said today, oh, Dal- we're not ruling out Dalvin Cook yet. That obviously would suck for those rostering Alexander Madison if Cook does play. I, doubt I mean, it. unless they have you're a bye week coming up. Yeah, but yeah, whoever has been stashing Madison this whole time. Congrats, because you got an RB1 this week, man. I'm I'm all about it, too, especially against Atlanta. Atlanta's whole defense period atrocious. Start start your players against Atlanta. That's how it's been all season, and that's not going to change, and Madison is in a tremendous spot. Yeah, talk about, got- talking about start your players. Adam Thielen, clearly a must play. I mean, 100%. I don't know if we need to talk about it much. He now has three finishes as wide receiver, three, five, and five. Like, he's been a stud I have him mm-hmm. as my first wide receiver this year, um, this week. The guy who's more interesting, who disappointed last week in a good matchup, Justin Jefferson walks away from the Seattle game with five targets, three receptions, 23 yards. But on the flip side, he had only five targets in the game against Houston where he put up four catches for 103 yards. And he's still a rookie. He has to come back down to earth. I'm I'm double dipping. I'm going back into the Justin Jefferson bucket. Yeah, a lot of people I think are going to be shied, shying away from Jefferson after last week, but... The snap count was still there. He saw five targets. And we, I mean, we watched that game. It was a, the entire game. It was a uh, Sunday night or Monday night game, was it? I forget now because so many games were this week. <laughs> but it was one of the primetime games. And uh, I think it was we Sunday. saw that super strange first half where the Vikings controlled the ball the entire time, basically. And then the Seahawks came back in the second half. Kirk Cousins didn't have to throw that much. He he only put up like 14 uh, fantasy points, even though he threw for two touchdowns, like the yardage just wasn't really there because it didn't have to be. And against Atlanta, it doesn't matter. Like they're gonna need to pass the ball. That Atlanta is atrocious. Kirk Cousins is gonna find success. I think Justin Jefferson is gonna find success too. So I'm firing up Jefferson. Again. Cousins is also 13th in true throw value. Fell a little bit after last week, but like Michael said, he didn't have to throw that much last week. So if you're seeing five to seven targets from him, you could get that from worse quarterbacks. And yeah. that is why I, uh, I'm i doing it, man. I have him as my tight end 19 at the moment. So I think he has some flex, uh, stream appeal if some people are rostering two tight ends. I'm I'm taking the chance on Arv Smith if I have to. I have him at tight end 15, Jay. Oh, shit. Maybe I should move him up to be more like you. Yeah, I was like, screw this. I know I said I wasn't going to like fall I'll, into the trap. On that note real but... quick, um. It is only Wednesday when we record these. When we talk about our rankings, please go to the website prior to Sunday to see what they look like. Things change as we get more information, as we um, analyze the games more. We change our we change our um, rankings. But Michael, Injuries please. come in, things of that sort. But yeah, uh, Irv Smith, Atlanta has been atrocious against the tight end. His targets went up last week, and with the way the tight end landscape is, all he needs is four to five targets, like you said. So I'm I'm rolling with him. I hope this is the I hope last week was the beginning of the Irv Smith breakout, man. That would be cool. I'm okay with taking a shot on him because I really think it's only a matter of time. Um, those are the only four guys we're considering for the Vikings. So now we can move over to the Falcons. Um, Quintavis Jones, Quintavis, 
Quintape? Quintoris. Quintoris, damn it. Quintoris Jones just can't get healthy. For those of you who don't know, geez Louise, Jay. Quintoris is Julio <laughs> Jones' real name. So Jason's talking about Julio Jones. <laughs> yeah, he just can't get healthy, man. And when he's not on the field, Matt Ryan looks like the doo Matt Ryan has been absolute trash three weeks in a row now without Julio Jones. And uh, even if Julio returns this week, do you really want to trust Matt Ryan? Like, not really, because considering who they're going up against, it's not the best matchup in the world in terms of pace. Like, Matt Ryan has been a garbage time king. The Vikings look like a good matchup. But if the Vikings are controlling the ball like they did to Russell Wilson, do we trust Matt Ryan to come back in the second half like Russell Wilson was able to? Yeah, I don't know. Not with the way he's been going. It's been tough for sure. I mean, I'm... I'm starting Tannehill over Matt Ryan. 100%. I'm starting a lot of quarterbacks over Matt Ryan. I was saying I'm literally doing that. Like, I wasn't, like, saying it as hypothetical. Gotcha. (laughs) I mean, I... If Julio comes back, I'll likely move him up a couple spots. I have him at 17 right now. But... Look, Ridley obviously are starting. That dude is a locked and loaded wide receiver one every week. Julio, if he returns, I think he's a little bit of a risky wide receiver two with the way his season has gone and with the way Matt Ryan has been playing. Gage, Gage is just completely falling off. Zacchaeus led the team in snaps last week and only caught two passes for like 15 yards. Hayden Hurst, what a joke Hayden Hurst has been. Dude, Hayden Hurst does not have over seven half PPR points when he doesn't score a touchdown. And, yo, this has been the absolute best-case scenario for Hayden Hurst. Yeah. For, like, anyone who drafted Hayden Hurst thinking, oh, is a breakout star and all this. Like, Julio Jones has missed time. Calvin Ridley has been banged up. Russell Gage missed time. And he still hasn't been able to capitalize on any of it, which is why I said it was absolutely nuts. Some people were saying Hayden Hurst was just going to step into Austin Hooper's role from last year. and You're yeah, not Hayden trusting Hurst him this week, right? Uh, it's funny you ask that because, look, the tight end landscape has been atrocious. I do think he has some low-end tight end one appeal because mm. all he has to do is find the end zone. And I think he has a better chance of finding the end zone than guys like Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, Tyler I like Higby. Jimmy Graham this week, man. Against San Fran is a little tough for me. I know they just got beat bad, but they've been decent against the tight end. And Jimmy Graham is so up and down. It's tough to trust him. On the ground, Todd Gurley, like everyone not named Kenyon Drake, absolutely torched the Carolina Panthers. Um, but Dan Quinn, who is now not the coach for the Falcons, can't believe I haven't mentioned that yet, Dan Quinn and Dimitrov have been fired after just becoming a mockery of a team. Um, yep. Only 14 rushes against Carolina, turned that into 121 yards. He had four catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Dude, at the end of the day... Todd Gurley has had four out of five games as running back 19 or better in half PPR. He has been the RB2 that was advertised, and it's because he's finding the end zone sure, and touchdowns might not be sticky. But for Todd Gurley, they are. Like, at some point, someone just can find the end zone, and Todd Gurley finds the end zone. And this is a team that is going to score as much as Matt Ryan has been bad. So I'm like, you got to keep firing up. My, right now, Todd Gurley is a strong RB2 with RB1 upside. Yeah, Todd Gurley has, for all the talk about how he's washed and all that, he's had good matchups, but 
I mean, that's what good running backs are supposed to do. Take advantage of good matchups. And he gets Minnesota this week, which is not a very jarring matchup. I have him as my running back 15. I agree. I think he's a high-end RB2 this week. And the upside to be a running back one if he finds the end zone. If you had to choose between Todd Gurley and... No, you're you're starting Todd Gurley if you have. If you had to choose, if you had to choose, it's Ah, a tie. It's a tie. Um, I think that's it for this game, right? Yeah. That's it for this game, yeah. We're going to the next game, yeah. I'm going to sing in between every song, um, every game. The next one is the Browns at the Steelers. Packers Brown, Brown, baby. So the story of this game, let's see. What do I think the story is? Kareem Hunt, workhorse. If you look at the box score, this is why I, like, there was someone back in the day or, like, last year, who who's, like, a fantasy analyst who, like, showed off that they don't watch football. They just look at box scores. It's like, well, you're a fucking moron. And I haven't heard from that guy since, I don't think. So, I don't think it's a coincidence. But if you look at the box score, you see that Kareem Hunt played 51 of 73 snaps. Um, What's-his-face Johnson saw a decent amount of carries. At the end of the day, Kareem Hunt was a workhorse until he dealt with cramps in the fourth quarter. Six of Hilliard's eight, not Hilliard, six of Johnson's eight carries came at the end of the game when Hunt had those cramps. Hilliard didn't even see the field. Hunt saw the passing work. Kareem Hunt is the workhorse for the Browns, and he's a top five running back. 100%. Uh, I do not disagree with anything you just said. I'm firing up Kareem Hunt happily, even in this difficult matchup. He's my running back for... He worked Indy last week, and Indy has been the only team better against the run than Pittsburgh. Um, so, yeah, I'm firing up Hunt. And with the Kevin Stefanski run-first offense, where they're now utilizing the tight end, um, we'll get to Austin Hooper. The wide receivers have had to take a little bit of a backseat. Um, besides his one ball-up game, we're at a 50-yard rush as well. OBJ has taken a bit of a backseat. Jarvis Landry has picked it up as of late. But he's been effective on uh, – he's been catching a lot of balls. He's been a PPR person rather than like he has been in his career. But OBJ now has every game this season between three and five catches, has found the end zone in two of those five games. He's become a type of boom-bust player with two top 15 games and three games out of the top 40. <clears throat> Tough matchup. Where, where are you at with OBJ? See, I am all about – the pass catchers here this week because Pittsburgh has been beatable through the air, man. That's where they get beat is through the air. That's where they've struggled the most this season. Um, And I don't see why that would change this week. We saw last week that Stefanski is willing to change up the play calling a little bit, depending on what he's seeing and Mayfield dropped back to pass a lot. And I don't see why that would not occur again against Pittsburgh. If they, if they really want to beat Pittsburgh with the way that Pittsburgh is able to be beat, which is through the air, uh, long plays, OBJ, which is perfect for him. I have met wide receiver 20. I think he has wide receiver one upside. Jarvis Landry I have as a wide receiver three. The first time I have him like within my top 40 receivers all year. I think there's a, some potential here for one or either of them to have decent games because Pittsburgh just has not been good. They've been a air raid type defense, right? Like they're just stopping. They're like the opposite of the Chiefs, typically. Yeah. Like they're like pass against us, we'll stop you against their run, and that's great for 
opposing pass catchers. Jarvis Landry has been a wide receiver three or better two weeks in a row now. One week thanks to a touchdown. Last week he had nine targets. Only caught four of them, but he turned it into 88 yards. Um, so that offense is picking up a bit. I don't know if I trust Jarvis Landry as more than a flex play at this point. Um, but there are uh, there are bye weeks, and so I do have Jarvis Landry ranked as 37th wide receiver right now. What I think and up is and up interesting. And, uh, I don't know how I forgot to mention this because I'm a fan of the guy now. Travis Fulgham just went in against Pittsburgh, which is why I like OBJ and mm, company as well. That is true. Enticing as well. Austin Hooper has picked it up in the last two games. Seven targets and then ten targets. Five catches in both games. 34 yards and a touchdown, followed by 57 yards. He's been a top 15 tight end in the last two weeks, both times. Maybe it took some time to acclimate to the Kevin Stefanski offense, but if you don't know, Kevin Stefanski used to play uh, coach the Vikings, where Kyle Rudolph was a legit tight end for fantasy purposes for many years. And if Austin Hooper is going to see this much work in this offense, he's a tight end one. And I'm going to fire him up as such. I have him as my tight end 12 this week, and I might move him up closer to Sunday. I actually have him as my tight end 8 right now, and yeah, I agree. If he's going to beat 17 targets through two weeks for a tight end is great. And for a game where I expect it to be a passing day for um, for uh, the, the Browns, um, I'm liking Austin Hooper. If you go over to anyone else you want to talk about on the Browns? No siree. Yeah, if we go over to the other side of the ball, we are looking at the Pittsburgh Claypools. I mean the Pittsburgh Chases. I mean the Pittsburgh Steelers with Chase Claypool, who had four touchdowns last week. Corny much, Jay? Yeah, I know. That was. Listen, I'm coming up with these transitions off the top of my head because Tim usually does them. I don't think I'm doing that bad, right? Eh, you get a you get a B plus. Deontay Johnson doesn't practice on Wednesday. Um, left with a back injury on Sunday and, again, did not practice because of the back injury. Uh, Tomlin said that he expected Johnson to start the week as a limited participant. Johnson said he doesn't believe it to be super serious. So we're shooting out of the dark here right now. But the fact of the matter is Deontay Johnson has been held back by injuries this year. And Cleveland is a great matchup. So how do we reconcile this? I think that if Deontay Johnson plays, you start him. I think if Juju, I think you start Juju. And I think no matter if Deontay plays or not, Chase Claypool is now a wide receiver three flex option. And I don't want to overreact about one game. But if Deontay Johnson is not fully healthy, Chase Claypool was the 11th wide receiver finish in week two, even as a part-time player. He has that big playability. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Obviously, this is a situation to monitor and check back with our rankings, but I agree. I'm starting Juju. Um, I'm starting Deontay if he returns. Claypool I like as a wide receiver three flex play. Even if both are healthy, if Johnson is out, I think Claypool shoots up to even like wide receiver two status. So I like all these receivers because like you said, this is, this is a game where both teams, both defenses are much better against the run than they are through the air. Uh, the Cleveland Browns defense has been great against the run, not so great against the receivers. Uh, and then when it comes to the other pass catchers on that team, we look over to the tight end, Eric Ebron. Um, he's had a larger role recently. Last He followed up his last um, week three. He had seven targets, then the, then the unexpected bye week, and then he followed that up with six targets. So he's seeing more work, five catches in both games. 
he did not find the end zone last week, but he did have 43 yards. Five of 43 is actually something to note for tight ends these days. Um, mm-hmm. I think as long as he has a five to seven target role, which even in week two he had five targets with Big Ben throwing the ball, he's a legit back end tight end one. I agree. Uh, this week especially, I have him as my tight end seven. So I'm firing him up. Firing him up. James Conner, the last Pittsburgh Steeler that we will be discussing here. I have as my RB14 this week. Um, like I said, this is a team that's been beat through the air. And uh, Connor is just, it's Connor is Connor, but I don't like him as a RB1 this week in a more difficult matchup because Big Ben has looked like the Big Ben of old. He's come back just firing and on all cylinders. And even without, he doesn't run at all. And he's still putting up 20 fantasy points a game, like classic Big Ben. So I think I I wouldn't be shocked if it becomes a Big Ben-type game and Connor has to operate on like 15 or so touches and is a little bit touchdown dependent. But the thing with Connor is even if he only sees – last week he only had 15 rushes, but he had three targets, caught all three balls, and found the end zone. Um, he found the end zone as well to salvage his day a bit, ended as the running back 20. The starting running back for the Steelers is someone who's probably going to find the end zone. So you want to start him. And then Big Ben has been the quarterback 11-16 to 16 every single game this year. He's just been a very good guy who doesn't use his legs, and that's the way he works. So I think he's in that territory again, back in QB1. Yeah, I agree, and it's because he's throwing multiple touchdowns a week. I've been like QB8, actually, because I like the matchup against Cleveland, and I think he's going to continue to throw multiple touchdowns this week as well. Before we go on to the next game, um, I need to give a note about the fall time because autumn is in the air and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. They got corny, guys. Um, By pumpkins, we actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. That actually is great news if you're... We do. I know we have some Canadian listeners. Um, shout out uh, Mark, who I know is from Canada. Shout out Kevin from Germany. I We love when we have international listeners. John um, Luca is from Canada, I believe. John Luca is from Canada. So shout out all of our international listeners. Now, if you're in UK, Canada, or Australia, you can get Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping, which is probably very convenient if you're overseas, um, using code BROTO, B-R-O-T-O. Code BROTO, all caps, B-R-O-T-O at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Their lawnmower um, is super slim, quiet, waterproof, has a flashlight, literally everything you need. Super comfortable shirt, super comfortable boxers. It's just a great product. So if you are looking for that, give it a whirl with Code BROTO, 20% off and free shipping. B-R-O-T-O at manscaped.com. And if you go on to the next game, we got the Bengals at the Colts. Before we get to the Bengals and Colts, since Jason likes to sing, uh, download Thrive Fantasy app if you have not yet. Code BRODO20 upon registration. This is for new users only. Deposit $20 or more and have your deposit matched up to $50. Bucks. Uh, the Monday Review Show, we did a Thrive 5 where we gave you five guys we liked. It's a prop betting site. It's a ton of fun. Uh, a prop DFS site, so you bet... Um, on players going over or under a certain amount of yards or touchdown passes. So it's DFS prop style, and it's a lot of fun and nice prizes. Um, Jason, I think, last year won like 400 bucks playing. 
Um, one yeah. of the, one of them came in first place in like a ten dollar tournament. So yeah, go check that out because code Brodo twenty and you will have your deposit matched up to fifty bucks with a minimum deposit of twenty bucks and twenty plus. Go crazy, get your money in there. It's a lot of fun and you could win some nice quiche. Yeah, it's a good way to if you don't have any fantasy football stakes in your season long leagues in a primetime game or something, then it's all good. You could just play some Thrive and still have something to care about. That's code Brodo twenty. Brodo and then the number two and then the number zero. Now can we get to the game, my good sir? Of course. All right, can I sing again? Because we've got the Bengals and the Colts. All right, the story of the week is Joe Burrow was quarterback 10 coming into last week. He went up against Baltimore, who was shady, not super great against quarterbacks. But then they were like, you know what? It doesn't matter because you're a rookie and we're the Baltimore Ravens. And now they're playing Indy, who is also has been a great defense. So what do you expect from Joe Burrow this week? Yeah, I am not diving into the Joe Burrow waters after doing so last week against Baltimore because, man... It was it was bad, and that offensive line was not able to protect him well. Joe Burrow's true throw value down to 32nd, uh, only one spot ahead of Dwayne Haskins. He's in that territory right now, below Phillip Rivers. Drew volume Locke, has been holding him up a bit. Yeah, and volume has been holding him up, like you said. Let's see how much volume he gets against Indy. Indy has been one of the best defenses in the league against the run, against the pass. They have just been an elite defense up until this point, and I think they have a very good shot to have another great defensive game against Cincinnati who just cannot protect. They cannot run block. They cannot do anything well at this point. I mean, Joe Mixon saw eight targets and saw 76% of snaps last week and just He's barely a had a decent game. Bum. Yeah, he had a very bad game. Um, He's someone I'm not super high on this the week The only either. thing I mean, to note, if Darius Leonard does miss another game, it does help Joe Mixon. Just we do need to throw it out there because Darius Leonard is that big of a playmaker. If yeah. he comes back, obviously it does hurt him. But I mean, I got Mixon at running back seventeen just because of the volume. You love to see that though, like seventy six percent of snaps and eight targets compared to Gio Bernard who saw twenty four percent of snaps. Like it's become a Joe Mixon backfield over the past two weeks, which means and he's, he's still only running back twenty three. I know, but that's what I'm saying. This. That amount of volume means that he's basically entrenched as an RB2 going forward with RB1 upside if it continues this way. I just don't see him having a big game against Indy because Indy has been an elite defense. All right, so with Joe Burrow struggling against good defenses, A.J. Green is not being forced by the ball anymore and may be injured. We take a look at T. Higgins, who is the wide receiver 18 over the last three weeks. What do we expect from him? Because I'm firing up T. Higgins because he, Joe Burrow clearly doesn't need to have a great game for Higgins to be productive. So I'm firing up T. Higgins, who is now basically an every week wide receiver two. Every week wide receiver three. Wide receiver three. You mean, yeah. I didn't know if you meant wide receiver two for his own team or in fantasy. But yeah, I have Boyd and Higgins as wide receiver threes this week. Like you said, um, it's not the best matchup, but they're... Higgins is basically a starter at this point. He gets a bunch of targets. If four catches and 60-something yards like he put up last week is a bad game for him, you'll take that any day uh, for a rookie. As a bad game. As a bad game. game. Yeah, as a bad game, of course. And Tyler Boyd 
had a rough game against Baltimore as well, but that whole offense had a rough game. So I think I think Tyler Boyd's a high end upside wide receiver three. T. Higgins more a mid wide receiver three. Um, but I'm I'm okay firing them both up because Burrow it's gonna they it's both gonna have, be passing. They both have great floors at this point, which I think we're just getting at because yeah. he's always throwing. There's a lot of volume. Exactly. They need to find the end zone, and if they do, they jump into that wide receiver two one territory. Exactly. So that's why I'm okay firing them up. Drew Sample, I'm taking a week off of. I, I can't quit the guy. <laughs> 94% of snaps last week, man, and caught Joe Burrow's first completion. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be a nice day from then on, and he only ended with two receptions, but I'm going to pass on him this week. But I do think he's going to have streaming potential down the line, so keep an eye on him. When we go over to the Colts, we talk about their young who they want to be a star, but hasn't really been playing like one. Jonathan Taylor, who is basically the every down back now. Um, Naheem Hines got most of his work when the Colts were down last week, but Jonathan Taylor was playing on third downs when the game was in reach. Again, a good game, not a great game. He ended as um, with a 12, 12 rushes, 57 rushing yards with two catches, 17 yards, and he found the end zone. The end zone, the touchdown really helped him. He has a touchdown in three of five games. He's basically ending as a running back two every week. Um, this is a very good matchup, but his expert consensus ranking right now is three, and I haven't understand twelve because I think twelve is showing that it's a good matchup, not three. Like he's still a rookie who hasn't been great, and if this might be a game where the Colts go up by a lot, and it's kind of been. Bad both ways for Jonathan Taylor because he has been like the workhorse in the main part of the game. But when they go up by a lot, Wilkins gets a lot of work. When they go down, Hines gets a lot of work. So unless it's like competitive all throughout, Taylor isn't going to get every single snap. Yeah. And he's not going to go for it. He played 55% of snaps last week, and that was his highest since week two. Like, he's getting a lot of work when he's on the field, but he's not always on the field. And like you said... Last week, he was my bust in our bust uh, sleeper article because he was being ranked as a top seven running back. And I was like, no, like you're getting an RB2 at best if he finds the end zone, which he did. And he ended as a low end RB2. I think it's similar here. I did give him a little bit of a boost up because there are some people on by and because he has a tremendous matchup here against Cincy, who is very beatable on the ground. He's my running back 13 because I do think it's a very high chance he finds the end zone. But it looks like everyone who thought, including us, who we he, we kind of fell for the huge Jonathan Taylor love fest once Marlon Mack went down, it's not looking like he's going to be that every week stud guy. He's looking more like a just a typical hope he finds the end zone or you're not going to be super satisfied week type of guy. It is entirely possible that the Colts do go up by a decent amount, though, which means you're not starting Naheem Hines, right? I wouldn't want to start Naheem Hines. I mean, I'm okay with him as a flex play, I guess, depending on your options, but he's a low-end flex play at this point. He is far from the guy people expected after that massive week one. Like, that just has not been Naheem Hines. I don't know where that came from or why it just entirely went away, but... That's where we're at at this point. So it's just he has such a low ceiling. Yeah, 
Definitely. And now we go over to the pass catchers because T.Y. Hilton had the best game of his um, year, and that was a six-catch, 69-yard performance. E. Yeah. Um, ended as a wide receiver, 34 and a half PPR leagues. I'm still not excited to use the guy, and I, again, think he's being ranked too highly. Yeah, people, I guess, are hyped about a super typical game. Like, usually with T.Y. Hilton, that type of game, you're like, ugh. And now people are getting hyped that he has that type of game. It's like, come on, yo. I have been a flex territory type guy here. Cincinnati, William Jackson and company, dating back to last season again. They're a lot better than the against the pass than people think. Just because they're the Bengals, people just expect their defense to be really bad. Like, they've been very bad against the run, but their pass defense has not been too bad. This this offense, this, this favors Jonathan Taylor here, this game script and this defense of Cincinnati. So I'm not Some super high on T.Y. Left. Hilton again. I think T.Y. Hilton is just a flex play. I think Zach Pascal last week was a rough week, but he continues to play a bunch of snaps. I think he has some flex appeal too. Similarly to how I touted Traquan Smith and then he dropped OD in rankings and I was like, trust him one more week. That's kind of how I'm feeling here with Zach Pascal. If you need to trust him as a flex option this week, I don't necessarily hate it. And I think he does have some appeal. I agree. I think Zach Pascal does have some appeal. I mean, when you're on the field all the time, good things will happen. And last week wasn't a great week, but the year, the week before he had 58 yards and eight targets. And if they're going to throw against Cincy, Pascal's going to be on the field. Um, yeah. I, one of their pass catchers I like a little bit more, Trey Burton, man. Came back from being injured. Doyle took a backseat. Ali Cox took a backseat. Trey Burton... Five targets, then six targets, two catches, five catches, 16 yards, 33 yards. He's improving every game. He's getting more work. They immediately put him into the offense. If he finds the end zone, he's a tight end one with the work that he's seeing. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to chase Trey Burton this week just yet. But if you want to add him, if you're tight and needy, I don't hate the idea since it does seem like he's becoming the the guy, uh, that tight end there. I, Really wanted it to be Mo Ali Cox. He's a ginormous human who had a lot of success when he had that role. But apparently they really like Trey Burton and he's getting a lot of work. So he's someone I don't want to start this week. If you have to, I don't hate it. But I do think if you are tight and needy, he's someone you should add. I do hope Ali Cox gets more involved. Yeah, same. Moving on to the next game. Yeah. The Lions and the Jaguars. The battles Battle of, of the, the beasts. Of the cats. The large cats. The large... What are cats called? I was going to say canines. Those are dogs. The large fena- female? Fe- feline. Feline. I had mixed the L at the end. <laughs> the large felines going at it. So the story of the felines. Um, I'm just going to go to everyone's favorite person, James Robinson. Held to less than 50 yards rushing on 13 carries. He had five catches, but it only turned it into 22 yards. And Chris Thompson was still the third down back. Right when you think James Robinson is taking hold of it, Chris Thompson comes back, plays on third downs. That was Um, disappointing. Jacksonville was playing catch-up in the fourth quarter, and Robinson and Thompson basically split the time. And then, um, we, what's his name? Devin Osgibo may come back soon. Um, so we're seeing some signs that Robinson may not be this ultra workhorse going forward all year, but against Detroit, 
he's still seeing enough work, definitely, to be an RB1. Yeah, he's like, I'm not sure why they give him the ball so much, but he's kind of like Aaron Jones-esque, where even if he doesn't see 70% of snaps, he still gets like 20 touches a game, and that's just the way they've been rolling. And like you said, Thompson was coming in on pass-catching downs again last week. Robinson only played 57% of snaps, but then went and saw seven targets anyways. Like, geez, sign me up for a guy, a running back getting seven targets, and that's just how it's been for Robinson of late, and this is a tremendous matchup against Detroit. So like you said, long-term, we'll see once Ezekiel comes back and if they continue to feed Robinson at the amount they're feeding him because last week, me and you were much lower on him than consensus was, and we ended up being right about him. Uh, but this week, I have him as running back 10. Again, lower than consensus. Right? Consensus has him like running back 4, I think. Like, chill out a little bit there. I think he's a low-end RB1 with the appeal against that Detroit front line because they just have not been good against the run at all. You look at the pass catchers. DJ Chark left last game with an ankle injury, limped off the field, did not practice today. Um, so at the moment, we don't know if DJ Chark is going to play. He's going to need to at least get a limited practice in on Friday to have a chance. Um, and the Lions have been generous to pass catchers. Um, they're giving up 9.2 yards per target, two PPR points per target, and a touchdown every 13 targets. So they've been bad against pass catchers. Chark has upside if he plays. If he doesn't play, Chenault and Cole have upside. Like right now, if Chark plays, I'm starting Chark and Chenault confidently. If Chark is out, I'm going to start Chenault and Cole. Yeah, I have DJ Chark right now tentatively as my wide receiver 12. I really hope he plays because Detroit is a dream matchup. And people are shook by Chark's last game, only putting up three half PPR points. But he left the game early with an injury, and he's he reached double digits in all other active games. I guess it was a down game, but I'm not hitting the panic button completely. And Detroit's a great matchup. I hope he plays. LaVisca Chenault I have as a high-end wide receiver three. Really blossomed last week, as we saw, um, as that second option. He just keeps getting more and more work in that offense. And like you said, Keelan Cole, if... Chark is out. Uh, if Chark plays, I'm not super interested in Cole. He's more of a low ceiling, another Cole Beasley-ish type guy. But if Chark is out, I do think Keelan Cole jumps up into like wide receiver three flex territory, high end. Yeah, I agree entirely. You're not starting Tyler Eifert. Are you streaming Gardner Minshew? Probably not streaming anymore at this point. He's probably on a team. And I, I would be a little scared away if Chark misses time because we saw how bad he played when Chark missed the game. So against uh who who was it when they when That was against um, Miami. Against Miami. Really struggled without DJ Chark. Minshew has so, now been quarterback thirteen three times in five weeks. Yeah, I mean Minshew has been a very, very solid starting option. All season long, outside of that Miami game. So I agree. Um, I, I'd be okay firing him up as just as long as Chark plays. I, I'll I'm be a little also, more hesitant if Chark is out. Yeah, I'm okay exercising caution in that sense. Um, moving on to the other side, the Detroit Lions. I guess we'll start with their running backs because the Jaguars have been getting lit up on the ground, and we don't really know who the running backs are for Detroit. Um, we know that they have DeAndre Swift. Not really sure if they tend on using him. We know that they have Adrian Peterson, um, the 2020 version of Adrian Peterson. 
So coming out of the bye, it'd be nice if we saw Swift get more work. It really would. And if you're in a crunch in a bye week and you really need a flex play with upside, it hurts to say kind of. But coming out of the bye week, I might be okay starting DeAndre Swift at the flex. I don't hate it. You have to think, have to, that they went into that bye week, like watched tape and shit and was like, we got to get DeAndre Swift more involved. You have to think that happens. If it doesn't, I think that's just blasphemous. Right now, because Jacksonville has been very kind to the running back, I have Adrian Peterson as my RB28, so I do think he has flex appeal. Touchdown dependent, but it's a good matchup for him to find the end zone. I got Swift at 29 because I think there's a shot this guy ends as a top 24 running back this week. I also think I also think there's a chance he ends outside like the top 50. Me too. Yeah, so it's just, it's a complete toss-up. I'm just, as a guy who likes Swift and sees that offense is better when he's on the field, I really hope he comes out of the bye week more involved, but we're talking about Matt Patricia, so we definitely cannot bank on it. <laughs> yeah, and if we go over to the pass catchers, Galladay, because um, Jacksonville hasn't been great against them either. Galladay has played two games, has scored a touchdown in both games. Um, I, I don't really get it, like, do rankers forget about bye weeks or something? Like, honestly, Kenny Galladay was his 23rd in ECR at the moment. Um, I moved him up to four. This is a great matchup, and he's babytron. Um, I'm so confused. Again, so confused by the expert consensus rankings to start this week. I got to tell you, this week, my wide receivers are going to look absurdly crazy if you uh, look at my rankings because I hate everyone outside, like, the top 10. I'm not going to lie to you. Not hate. It's just it's a lot of guys where I'm like, Wide receivers got ugly or... fast, man. Yeah. I have Kenny Galladay as wide receiver nine. So I don't have him as wide receiver four. I'm not as high as you are just because Houston has been. I mean, they definitely, uh, excuse me, Jacksonville definitely can be beat through the air, but they've been more of a run. Uh, they've been worse against the run than they have been the, against the pass. So, but I do think Kenny Galladay is in for a great game. Marvin Jones was also ranked super low expert consensus. And I Dude, know he has had yeah, a very I rough him start. Up too. I know he's had a very rough start to the season, but I do think he at least has flex appeal. I have him as my wide receiver 43 at the moment. I have him at 41. Yeah, so I he certainly has some flex appeal, at least against Jacksonville, because if C.J. Henderson, who's been solid, goes up against Galladay, you got to think something opens up for Jones, even though Jones has not been the Marvin Jones that we've been used to with the big playability over these years. But coming off a of bye, we'll see how it goes, because good teams come off of buys very strong the Lions aren't a very good team so I'm not sure how strong they're going to come out of the bye but we'll see we'll see I do think Marvin Jones does have some flex appeal though someone who could take advantage of the bad defense is TJ Hawkinson who last played um caught a touchdown against the Saints only two catches for nine yards in that game but the touchdown bailed him out um before that he's had at least 50 yards in every game so he's had either 50 yards or a touchdown in every game which makes him a tight end one. Yeah, I got TJ Hawkinson as my running back five. I agree with you here. Fire him up. Coming out of the bye week, another guy where I just really hope they were like, okay, clearly we have to get him more involved because he's a monster. So, But touchdown or 50 yards, like you said, in every game and in the tight end landscape, that is a tight end one. So fire him up. The Titans, I'm sorry, the Jaguars have played Jack Doyle, Jonu Smith, Kosicki, Sample, Darren Fells. Not the best list of players outside of Jonu Smith. 
And they've allowed four touchdowns to tight ends this year. Yeah, it's a good it's definitely a good matchup for Hawk. Uh and then I guess Matt Stafford's the last guy we gotta talk about. I think it's a good matchup for him too. He's definitely in the streaming conversation. He's coming off of a bye week, so he's healthy and rested. And Jacksonville's not been good through the air. They've just been bad against everything, actually. Yeah. I have him as a my QB nine at the moment. Uh Matt Stafford this year has been more of a high floor guy than he has been a ceiling guy, but I do have some hope again coming out of the buy that he finally may reach that 300 yard threshold this year, as we've seen him do multiple, multiple times in the past. So I do think he's a strong starting option against Jacksonville. Next up, we got another feline, the bears at the Panthers, the, Oh, two more uh, is the bears not a feline, the battle of the bear and feline, the bears at the Panthers. Um, the story of this game. Let's see. What do I want the story to be? Let's go with Mike Davis. Last week, 16. Wait, you mean Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, I mean Christian McDavis McCaffrey. Uh, 16 rushes, 89 yards, 9 catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. The thing is as well, he's not the first read on a lot of plays either. The passes to running backs have dropped um, since CMC went out. The... F- Passes as the running back as the first read have dropped since CMC went out. And Mike Davis continues to just kill it. Like, you can Google Mike Davis highlights, and he's just making people miss. Yeah, I I was saying on the review pod with Tim, Mike Davis hasn't just been a volume-based guy. He has literally stepped in for McCaffrey and has been like a top 10-level talent running back. That's how good he's been since he's taken over in that backfield. Which I have my running back three this week because Chicago has been... Bleeding through the run and very, very strong through the air. So I'm all aboard the Mike Davis train this week. You know where he's finished in half PPR leagues? The three weeks CMC has been out, running back 10, 8, and 1. In PPR leagues, 9, 8, and 1. He's, yeah, a, he's a stud. He's going in. He's yeah. playing like a stud. I like him a lot this week. Aside from that, Robbie Anderson. Three of his last four games, he's seen at least 10 targets. I think it's becoming clear that he's the number one option for Teddy Bridgewater and not DJ Moore. And when you're seeing 10-plus targets a game, it doesn't matter sometimes who your quarterback is because even though Teddy Bridgewater is how I say the do, Robbie Anderson's true target value is still 12th, which means he's doing what's expected, maybe even a little less. Like, he's seeing that much work. So keep firing up Robbie Anderson, man. I, it took me a little while to join the bandwagon, but at this point, he's the number one receiver on the team and just keeps putting up numbers. Yeah, I mean, I got Anderson at 22. I would have him higher if it was a better matchup, but Chicago has been tremendous against the pass this year with Fuller and company. I got DJ Moore all the way down to 34, and I, I, don't, see, I don't see how you could rank him as more than a wide receiver three at this point. I mean... Five targets last week. If he didn't take the 57-yard pass close to the line of scrimmage to the house, we would be talking about a terrible game against Atlanta. Like, it's clearly Robbie Anderson's offense at the moment. 13 targets for Anderson to five for more. He's he's a wide receiver three and a risky one at that. I mean, talking about true target value, he's 33rd, which means that he's a wide receiver three. So, and a risky one at that is right. Um, not a good time for DJ Moore. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if you have someone you could start over him if you invested a draft spot in him. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Samuel is not good. Let's stop trying to make that a thing. Ian Thomas, also, no thanks. Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not starting you unless you're playing the Falcons. Yeah, the uh, the back-to-back Teddy Bridgewater stream appeal weeks were fun, but they're over. Uh, definitely not starting him against Chicago. He did squat against Atlanta, like, after lighting it up to start the game. Yeah, well, they didn't really need him to. Yeah. Uh, is that it for that game? Yeah, that it is. Oh, no, wait. That's it for that team. Slide over to the Bears. Um, David Montgomery racked up 14 targets over the past two weeks. Um, everyone sans Kenyon Drake has feasted against Carolina. I'm ready to be hurt. Same. I'm ready to be hurt, meaning I am telling you to start David Montgomery. If you, We get a lot of David Montgomery start sits every week, and we often leave him out of the equation. I have a feeling that a lot of times this week we are not, and I'm ready to be hurt. You know, if he doesn't come through, what the fuck can you do? Because it's Carolina, and they get destroyed. They made Todd Gurley look like he was Todd Gurley of 2017. Everyone besides Kenyon Drake has destroyed them. Montgomery, as I started off saying, racked up 14 targets the last two weeks. I'm starting David Montgomery. He's my RB12 this week. I'm uh, I'm all in as well. He's clearly the main guy there. 85% of uh, snaps. Look, 14 targets for David Montgomery? Are you kidding me? If that's going to be a thing, and he's going to be the goal line guy, like I know that offense isn't tremendous, but... Yeah. And he did not really have an effective game at all on the ground against Tampa Bay on Thursday. I mean, it doesn't really matter if the guy's going to be seeing 20 touches a game, including five-plus targets. Yeah. I'm upset we forgot about the Darnell Mooney line. We haven't said it at all. We did not forget about it. We are about to talk about Darnell Mooney, but Darnell Mooney had a rough game last week, man. Despite the fact that he played well ahead of Anthony Miller yet again. Uh, 65% of snaps to Anthony Miller's 41. And man, Mooney looked very good Thursday night, but just could not connect with Nick Foles at all. At all. Yeah. And he ended with like two catches for 15 yards or something of that sort. So a lot of players ended right now, above the Darnell Mooney line. Yeah, right now Nick Foles looks like he can't maintain um, more than one or two pass catchers. And right now those guys look like A-Rob, 100%, and Jimmy Graham. A-Rob has at least nine targets in every single game this season. 16 targets last week. Last week, he went against Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay has been great against the pass, and I said, I don't care. I'm starting Robinson happily because he's talented and gets the targets. Same thing here with Carolina. Their pass defense has actually looked great this season, uh, surprisingly. Their run defense has been atrocious. But, again, I am firing up Robinson happily because they don't really have – they've been a good defensive unit, but they don't really have a guy to line up against A-Rob on A-Rob's level, so I'm happily rolling A-Rob out there as a wide receiver one once again. Jimmy Graham has seen over 30% of the team's targets in the red zone. As such, he has four touchdowns on the young season with two top 10 finishes, three top 13 finishes. Um, I'm doing it. It's time to start throwing Jimmy Graham into your lineups. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to hurt you. But you know what? You know who else is going to hurt you? Hayden Hurst and Mike Gesicki and Rob Gronkowski and whoever else is in this range. So I'll take a shot on Jimmy Graham. 
Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I agree. Carolina's it's not an imposing defense. Very touchdown or bust, but, I mean, it's a tight end position. Sometimes you got to go. I mean, since Nick bust. Foles took over the Atlanta game, he had 10 targets, and then in the last two games, he had five targets apiece. Not bad. It's something. Not too shabby. It's something. And according to two true target value for tight ends, excuse me, he is, what did it do? I can't find him. All right. 20th. So he's a little bit below the tight end one mark, which makes sense because he's been touchdown dependent. But if Nick Foles improves his game even a little bit, that should jump up and make him a tight end one, according to true values. We'll see, but I'm okay taking the plunge this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're a little higher than him on him than I am, but that's okay. That's why we do these podcasts, kid. And that's the, that's it for the first podcast. Yep, there. That's it for week six, part uno. Um, Coming at you a part duh in about duh minutes. Yeah, thanks for listening. You can find me at Brodo FF Jason. I'm at Brodo FF Mike. You can find Tim at Brodo FF Tim, the usual host. Um, you can follow us at Brodo Fantasy. You can get everything we offer at BrotoFantasy.com. Our articles, our rankings, our waivers, our um, links to Patreon, all of that good stuff. Uh, true values, of course. Um, you can join our Patreon for the waiver pod and to join the community and much, much more at patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. And of course, you can go to Party Belts and use code Brodo for 15% off a very cool belt for only $30. Get something cool for your league, please. It really is very cool. Um, Manscaped, you can use code Brodo for 20% off and free shipping if you want your balls to feel as cool as the belt you buy. And then Thrive, use code Brodo20 for a $20 to $50 match, depending on how much you put in. Until next time, we will see you in a few minutes if this rolls over into the next one. If not, we'll see you in the morning or whenever you listen to us. But thanks for listening anyway. Later. Later.